All right. Well, today is Cinco de Mayo. It is uh, the 5th of May. And you are listening to another episode of Bear With Me. This is episode number 11 already. Man, get that through your mind. We've got, in one month, we put out um, eight episodes. No, 11 episodes. Somewhere around there. It's all good. We are crushing it over here, proclaiming truth and hopefully encouraging you with some observations that I have on society. And so anyways, today I kind of had something off the top of my head. I want to start off with Cinco de Mayo. Uh, I enjoy Cinco de Mayo. It doesn't just another holiday. I grew up with uh, in the Mexican community, so I got to enjoy, you know, the good old, you know, celebrations. I mean, any Mexican will tell you that they just look for reasons to have a good time at parties. So it was definitely fun growing up in a, in a Mexican neighborhood uh, and always enjoying all their festivals. But however, I was reading on Facebook and a couple of posts, and I wanted to just talk about it really quick and then talk about some movies. And the post was this. It says that white people out here celebrating Cinco de Mayo and not knowing it's when they fought us, right? And the thing I want to pick up on that is the actual ignorance of saying white people. Technically, Cinco de Mayo is not the day they celebrate their independence. That happened in September. Cinco de Mayo is the day they celebrate their victory over France. See, France is another culture with white skin, light skin, kind of like Spaniards. However, they are not white. Consider them white is to lump them in with my culture and every other hundreds of light-skinned cultures. And I just want to continue to speak against this because that ignorance leads to the concept of racism. You see, this guy posts that white people fought their people. No, that's not true. My ancestors had nothing to do with your ancestors. My ancestors were on the other side of the dang, uh, you know, map. And the French, y'all were dealing with the French. There was a lot going on at the time if you actually read your history. But um, to lump white people, and again, I put that in because when you separate culture and you just lump people in their skin, you lose so much value. That man was just being funny, but look at his humor. was based off of complete ignorance, ignorance he probably believes wholeheartedly, yet it causes him to diagnose a situation completely wrong, lump someone like myself and all, a lot of my friends. Matter of fact, I don't really know anybody French, so everybody white that I know. He's lumping in there as people who fought his ancestors when couldn't be further from the truth. And what's ironic about that is Spain went in there and whipped on Mexico, right? And Spaniards have light skin. And so they're like white-skinned Mexicans. And I don't know, man. It's, a lot of it's just ironic when you kind of take a step back and start looking at it. And, and when you think of just race and how stupid it is. He probably thought he was super funny, too, when he posted it, like, Oh, yeah, freaking white people, they're so stupid, you know. Yeah, I gave the Cholo accent. It is what it is. But it's true. It is so true. Here, white people celebrating Cinco de Mayo, not realizing it's a holiday, celebrating the death of white people. Woo! And that's put out by Aztec Nation an hour ago, according to my phone. That's stupidity. You're an app that represents... (laughs) <laughs> you're people and you don't even know your own history. And here I am, an Irish man who knows your history. I need to check my door. My dog's barking. And then continue that logic. You know, me, I, I've kind of grew up. And now a lot of Mexicans who don't know me wouldn't treat me this way. But in my little circle, uh, I, I can get away with just talking normal to Mexicans in their own dialect and slang. But that man with that constant thing, he just looks around and he observes white people. And that's, 
man, that is a really good post to kind of beat that drum because that is ignorance. That ignorance produces false um, observation. You're observing white people as they're your enemies in, in history. And you don't even really honor the true history of your own culture. Your, your culture is being robbed to you because of your ignorance, your willingness just to take what someone tells you and not research your own history. The funny thing is they call themselves Aztecs, and that's not what Aztecs refer to themselves. Uh, Aztecs were Indians. They were called Mashikas. My father-in-law is one of them. Um, he is a legit descendant of the Aztec tribe, and which makes my wife a legit descendant of the Aztec tribe, which makes my kids legit descendants. Now, my kids are always going to represent my last name, but I am the man who honors all the cultures that are uh, bestowed upon me. You know, I am Irish. That's probably the dominant culture I try to learn in my world. I don't, I don't care too much about it because I'm so blended. I'm Irish, I'm English, and Indian. I guess, but my last name is Hines, so it's English. So I just embrace those two. But my kids have such a connection with their, you know, their Nana and Tata who are from Sinaloa and are real Indians. Well, my my uh, father-in-law is my, my mother-in-law. She's a, she has a lot of Spanish influence. That's why her skin is light. Or should I say white? <laughs> you know, the Spaniards who put a whooping on Mexico. Uh, they actually the ones who defeated the Aztecs, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that part. I'm not too deep on the uh, the actual depth of it, but I know Cortez came over and 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 I know he started to trade. I know he fought and beat up the Aztecs uh, to the extent I don't know, and I don't know all the history behind it, but I do know he rolled with his white skin, Spanish speaking white skin, may I um, add, and he put a you know fought Mexico. But anyhow, he fought the Aztecs. But anyhow, you you that's just a little a little glimpse of how think about that little subtle thing that that man carries in his heart, and that will dictate a lot of the way he views the world and people. And I totally responded to him. How did I respond? Let's read my response. I was kind of proud of myself. And I really don't get into these things, but the race one bothers me because I think it's just stupid when people bite on race. You know, it's gonna be hard for me to find that post because um, I can't remember who posted posted it. And I'm scrolling through my, my, my Facebook really quick, and it reset my timeline. And I don't want to spend too much time on it. But another thing I have right here is it's on this uh, whole exit California thing. Someone posted it, but it's, it's all your clothes, right? It's a suit with the tie, the lapel. All the stuff is Egyptian inscriptions. And if you know me anything about Egypt, you'll know that I, will, I believe that that suit is full of cultic a symbolism that no believer should be wearing that. That is not stuff that the children of the Most High should be representing. And then, dude, my cousin is crushing it. He lives in Flagstaff, Arizona. Flagstaff, Arizona is legit. That is a gorgeous place to live. A little out of my price range to move up there and try to start all over. But holy cow. Anyway, he posting all these pictures of him crushing it, dude, in the mountains with his granddaughter riding bikes and shooting arrows. I am... I'm so happy for him. He's such a good dude. Joey, if you're listening, his name is Joey. Uh, oh, well, I don't want to say his last name, but uh, just in case some of you crazy ladies want to stalk him, can't uh, have that. He might want that, but I won't be responsible for initiating that. But you can just look through my Facebook timeline and find a man named Joey shooting bone arrows and Flagstaff. And honestly, I'm killing time because I'm trying to look for this post, but I don't see it. But it's unfortunate because this guy is going to have his worldview. Uh, like, okay, think about somebody... His world will be shaped by that. Now think about somebody who kind of carries 
a bit of a ship on his shoulders, a little pissed off at white people. Maybe he, he, he blames white people growing up, right? And he's kind of bit into that, a lot like the black community, right? And then now he sees that post, he just gets a little more angry. I wonder how many little things like that have set off our brothers and sisters in situations that they should have never been set off because their ignorance led them. And I always trip on that, man. I always want to just encourage people, man, learn your history. Learn what culture means. Learn why the Bible has called us out to be apart from the world and to create a different culture that is not worldly. And these are all important biblical things, right? It's just like uh, when you, uh, about, about movies, right? When you look at movies, you look, well, how, how healthy is society? And then you see the society will <clears throat> promote movies like, I don't know. What's that one, um, Forrest Gump with Tom Hanks, right? And, and it's about a girl. She goes and has sex with a uh, teacher. And, and so her kid, you know, who's mentally challenged, retarded, can go to school. It's just like we praise that behavior. Now, think about if I just said, hey, my neighbor, um, dude, she's totally sleeping with the, the teacher across the street or, you know, the school down the street so her kid can go to school. You know, a lot of people may say something derogatory, but people nowadays are getting very degraded. Hey, she's got to do what she's got to do. You know, they're influenced by Cardi B, who is celebrated for drugging men and robbing them while Bill Cosby is going to prison for drugging women, taking advantage of them. But um, today it may not be as crazy if someone said, hey, that woman's sleeping with that teacher so her kid can go to school. But in reality, man, that is dark and that is unmoral and perverted. And the fact that we would celebrate or even think to glorify a woman, a child of God, or a creation of God, a woman, that sucks, man. That speaks of the vulnerability that us men and culture has left our women. And that's because us men have left ourselves vulnerable to the wants of our flesh. Because we do not submit to the authority of God's teaching in our lives. We'd rather sit there, have our pornos, have our ease. Be with our girls. They take care of us when they need us. And very little self-sacrifice takes place. My buddy Rick Bambrick, he's, he always posted just gold on marriages. And he's got himself a home church. And they are crushing, dude. They, they are gathering, being inspired by God's word, a small community. It, it is great. Um, I don't know if they still meet. I don't think they met. I think they just kind of went with the flow. But <clears throat> And if I had a church home rolling. I definitely wouldn't have stopped it during this pandemic. I can guarantee that. But anyhow, we're going to get into more of the scriptures. My last episode was a little long. I don't mind them going long. If you'd like them longer, I enjoy talking. I enjoy sharing the things I observe. I enjoy um, I enjoy it tremendously because I feel like God has showed me these things. I was I was partying with my buddies. Well, part, I was hanging out with my buddies. He say it's partying, but we were all celebrating the other day. And we have a birthday party. My buddy Jaws, his daughter, or excuse me, he, he died. December 14th, but his daughter had a birthday party. So we're all hanging out over there at my brother-in-law's house. And I had a great, great time. And people were just asking me, like, why do you, why do you have to say these things, what you say about, like, why? Like, why can't you just kick back a little? And my response is simple. It burns me. Like, I, I feel I'm doing you and your neighbor a disservice. Now, obviously, I'm going to the guy who's like, okay, he's going to be niche, and that could become, to you, annoying. But that's because I'm speaking to something um, in, you know, where it's impacting you and it's challenging you, your worldview. And I just thought that's what God has called me to be. I also feel like being in church, the church structure itself, like being on staff or at a church, uh, I guess it wouldn't be an issue if I was a lead pastor, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but being in a church, you just, 
Church has become, being a leader in the church, how to speak and lead without offending people to leave. Now, they'll say you can offend people, but trust me, when you're in there and you're, you're knee deep in it and going all out in there, you can't just say what you want. A lot of repercussions and in, you're worried about offending people. And that's to me why I don't ever really want to be a lead pastor. I'll, I'll disciple people and I'll have followers and I'll fulfill the, the Lord's command. As a matter of fact, I already am. I'm, I'm training young men. Um, on Wednesday nights, we're going through Galatians. And I'm already doing that part, um, you know, and I'm going to continue that and grow it. But I, I can't see myself being in a place where I'm putting on a structure to gather people and then be really worried about what they say. Because I don't give a bleep. I'm going to say what I think God has called me. And I don't want to put myself in that vulnerable place where a lot of churches are unfortunately in, where where to speak a lot of truth. Like if, like if uh, a lot of pastors got up in a reformed church and said that Israel is not the nation of God. Current Israel and Jerusalem is not is not that's not God's people over there. Do they lose half their congregation? That is truth, and that deception leads people to Zionism. You have a whole slew of Christians who look to Israel and worship that damn country for reasons I have no idea because they're deceived because pastors been called amillennialists and what's called replacement theology. They replace the Jews. Ain't nobody replaced the Jews. We, the, Jesus, the fulfillment of the promise given to them, it was their job to steward it, the Hebrews, not the Jews, the Hebrews. And they did, okay? And, and, and the nation of Israel, because it was led by religion and the Roman Jews, they rejected Jesus. Because the world always rejects Jesus. And Jesus then died for our sins and he tore the veil in the Holy of, Holy, Holy of Holies and he allowed the stranger, just like when he flipped the tables and he removed all the religious leaders. And it says that the sick, the lame, and the... And all those were hurting, right? They came and they worshipped. It's the same thing on a grander scale. He tore the veil and he allowed us, the stranger, the lost, the people who are sick, he allowed us to come to the throne and receive grace that he was offering us through the blood of Jesus. And he grafted us into the promises and the constructs and the law and the statutes written in the Old Testament to us that we would make them in an individual mission well, as he grows his church through us, when I say individual mission, you take all the concepts, all the types and shadows that are in the Old Testament, and they now, rep, they now get applied to you personally and in your home, and it's now flowing from there. And we build a community based on God's law, God's precepts, because Jesus died and brought us into this family. John 1.18 gave us the right to be called the child of God, and he grafted us in. And Paul says, don't get all haughty thinking you're cool because you got grafted in. You're still grafted in. Be humbled by that. Be humble that God brought us part of this journey and, and allowed us to be grafted into the beautiful uh, promises given to us. The one that was given to Abraham and continued through Jacob and his 12 sons. And then Jesus came and brought life to it. Right? And so when you start to step back, start to separate yourself from the America. Like when you start to look at repenting as repenting from America, you start to grow spiritually deeper it's like a next step because there is a there is a spell on us christians in america where we see the land we think god's blessing america we almost think that you know you may hear god blesses us because we bless israel it's like holy cow have we ever been deceived let me give you an example this i I hope you can understand this when i say you don't need what the world needs now i have plenty of money to buy food right now god could take that away from me and that's fine but right now i can literally just go eat where i want Okay, I don't do that, but I can't. Okay, now if we're talking about some three hundred dollar plate of food, I just wouldn't do it because I'm not stupid with my money like that. But I'm driving around today and it's hot, and I refuse to wear a mask for many reasons. I think it's foolish. You guys are out there wearing a mask. I just 
Listen to my episode in eight. I talk about it. You know, but the lady I go in the subway, you need to wear a mask. And simple, right? Just comply. But why would I comply? Why would I bend the knee? So I can get what the world's offering me? You know, I told her, no, that's cool. You don't want to serve me? Fine. I just asked her, you really going to enforce it? She said, yeah, it's okay. I'll go somewhere else. And I did it. I said, you know what, Lord? I just don't even want the world's food anymore. Came home and I made myself my, my food and I saved some money. And I talked about this on last, the last, last podcast, but that's a small example of where we don't need them. I don't need your food. I don't need to bow to your mask. I don't need to go into your stores. Now, I have to do a good job at making sure I can self-sustain myself because there may come a time where I, I can't order food through Instacart. I get that. not worried about that because I'm sure by that time, and God says he'll provide my needs. So the needs will be there. Um, just It's me and God is teaching me how to sanctify myself from the world. I don't need that. I didn't need that processed food that, you know, it probably has aborted fetal cells in there anyways. And I shouldn't be eating. Yeah. You know about that. You should check your, check your history. I, I should do a better job. I, fudge, man, there's an article. There are lots of them. You can look it up on, on uh, just search it up. Baby aborted baby fe- uh, uh, skin cells being used are aborted baby cells being used to enhance food flavoring. It's it's in a lot of what we eat, and that's something you got. And you know you got to no wonder why God's trying to separate ourselves from the world, you know. And uh, look at the country. We perform gazillions of you know. There's an exact millions of abortions a year. God has not blessed this country. He has made it an extension of, uh, it's not he has, this is an extension of, of Balaam's kingdom, you know, originating in Egypt. And so we are going to tackle Joel. All right, I ended the first, I ended last week, we went into chapter one, we went to the first five verses. We kind of just had an observation of, hey, tell your children. And my, my contention was, if we're going to tell our children we need to observe what's going on, if we are going to observe what's going on, we need to observe through the lens of Scripture. But to genuinely, in, to genuinely observe them through the lens of Scripture, you need to believe Scripture. And I challenge a lot of Christians if they really go beyond the belief of Jesus. Because they say they believe man is sinful, but yet they're not willing to admit that the leaders of this world could be corrupt and in on a world uh, you know, a one world system or a, a structure to minimize the church or the structure to minimize God's people. Uh, it's not about God's people. It's just about minimizing mankind in general. Because once you can control mankind, you, you've, you've corrupted, you know, ultimately Satan wants to corrupt and distort God's creation. And uh, that's the end game. Because let God be true and every man a liar. And if Satan can, can bring that to, a, to fruition, we can look at God as a sense of maybe a liar. But uh, may it not be so. So, getting back to where we're at, Joel, Joel chapter 1, we are going to start off after verse 5, I'll give you the verse breakdown in a second, so buckle up, get your something biblias, here we are, so I kind of overviewed, right, we had first, who is he speaking to, the, the elders and the inhabitants, pretty much everyone, right, awake, he calls them drunkards, and, and he, he referenced, there's a nation that's coming against my land, and then he explains this nation is fierce, man. And um, they're going to uh, strip away, you know, the bark from the tree. And he says, lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth. He, he's telling his people, man, cry and lament, right? In verse 10, or excuse me, verse 11, be ashamed, you farmers. Well, you vine dressers, for the heat, uh, 
for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is perished. Like wheat, I'm, I'm punishing you guys and you're not realizing it. You're still thinking that there's there's value and structure left. You're not realizing the vine is dried up in verse 12 and the fig tree is withered and the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. Everything is withering and we're not even acknowledging it. Look what he says, gird yourself and lament you priest. Well, you who minister before the altar, come lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering, the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders. Now he's looking to the, the religious uh, leaders, the actual spiritual influencers. And he's telling you guys need to get and make this spiritual. Think about that. We have gone this route, right? We need to make this thing spiritual. You guys are broken spiritual. Those of you who read Haggai know when he says, consider your ways, right? The spiritual death that we are, 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 are suffering. And you look right here in verse 14, 13 to 14. He's calling the priest. You need to get the spiritual house in order. You need to. This is the only way we're going to correct the issues before us. The only way we stand strong is when our spirit is stronger. And if we're not, look at what God is requiring. Consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants into the house of the Lord your God and cry out. This isn't about what you can do. It's what God wants to do in you. And as we look to society, man, we look at our place in the world, we have to take, we are the religious, we are the priest. You know, we are the spiritual influencer we're supposed to be. And this is a response that is worthy of receiving God's grace, right? He says, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. It is not the, it is not the food cut off before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down for the grain has withered. How the animal groans. Even the animals are hungry. They're not even realizing the herds and the cattle are restless because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. O oh Lord, to you. Now the prophet is responding. He's acknowledged and I cry out to you for fire has devoured the open pastures and flame has burned all the trees in the field. The beasts of the field also cry out to you for the water brook has dried up and fire has devoured the open pasture dude joel is acknowledging and he is like we need to wake up and honestly if you're looking at the church and you and, and yes there's good teachers and there's great points made and there's great worship leaders i get all that but if you're if you are seriously content with what you see in the spiritual depth that you are receiving at church then i don't i'm i question i really do i question that you're you know, your, your heart for Jesus, but your commitment. I really do. Because what are we committing to? If it's just about making us feel good, what are we committing to? Are we just committing to being morally good people? And thinking because I said a prayer, God's going to love me? And God's not... He didn't do that to you. He didn't just say, ask Jesus for forgiveness. He said, take responsibility for the failures that are going on and repent. Build yourself up, gird your loins and repent. For chapter 2, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. He is calling the inhabitants, God's people, to tremble because the day of the Lord is coming. A day of darkness, uh, gloomers, and a day of clouds and thick uh, darkness like the morning cloud spreads over the mountains. Right. And, and, and a people came great and strong uh, and a people and people come great and strong. The like of whom has never been has never been 
nor will there ever be such after them. Even for as many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them flames burn. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Meaning these people are marching, and what's before them is what they want. They want your possessions. And behind them is complete destruction. And what a lot of people will say, they'll look at this. And remember, he's telling, remind your children. Why remind your children? Because here's why. A lot of people look at this and they say, well, that's not happening. We don't see that great of destruction going on. We don't see that much chaos going on. So they minimize, they minimize what God is saying. They minimize what scripture is saying to a, a moment in time that God does not execute these judgments consistently. That they look at them as specific prophecies, not as a character trait of God and how he calls his people to respond and how he will come and he will remove your fruit. God will make, he, remember what it says in John 15, he will cut that branch. That is not taking you and throwing you into hell. That is taking your works down and fire must to purge your, your, your fruitless works. Go read Corinthians. Yes, uh, your works will be tested by fire. And you have an, an army, right? You have Satan. His appearance is like the appearance of horror. He is mean, swift. His steeds, they run. It has a noise like a chair. Satan can be overwhelming in verses 4 and 5, chapter 2. Look at verse 6. Before, before them, the people um, rift in pain. All faces the drain of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall uh, like men of war. Um, everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. He's talking about how thorough and how persistent this army is. They are disciplined and on a mission to come bring you down, to, to bring judgment. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in their own column. Though, uh, though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and from the city. They ran in the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter the windows like a thief. The earthquakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. I love that. For the day of the Lord is great, and a very, and very terrible who can endure it. He's talking to his people. And let me share something. He's talking about judging his people. And when God comes, his army is strong. His army is legit. Now, I get it. There is going the, the, the people of the world will have to give an account. And yes, there is a little bit of that going on in what, uh, what he's speaking of here about him judging the nations that judged Israel because they were haughty. They were proud of themselves that they destroyed Israel. Remember what I was talking about earlier about being a stranger? Don't, be, don't get prideful about being a stranger. You need to be humble by being a stranger. That God has called you to be the stranger. And then he ends, who can endure it? And that's nobody. God's judgment is sure and it's unescapable. Now look what it says in verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Look at it with fasting and weeping and with mourning. So rend your hearts and not your garments. Again, God wants us the inside, the spiritual part. He wants to grow. He wants the spiritual side to be built up. God is focused on the inner man, not the outer man. We focus on the outer man by Jesus. Would Jesus have saved me and I do X, Y, and Z? And your whole construct of Jesus is being saved and being a good person. But it, it ignores what you're called to. Now, certain people will be, oh, I'm called to this. And I gave up music or I gave up X, Y, and Z. But ultimately, you are called to something. And you're first called to rend your hearts. Weep over your sins and the sins of your fathers. Now, we need to look. These people, a lot of them are being judged for the sins of their fathers. You don't think there's young men in this context that love God? We read it as though they're all 
smut peddlers who hated God. No, there was young men, young women who were God-fearing and experienced God's judgment because of their forefathers and because the religious leaders failed to warn us properly. The religious leaders failed to encourage us with scripture. The religious leaders failed to tell us to rent our hearts and fast and return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. We always talk about how good God is slow to anger, so rich in love. But what does that mean? Well, when he wants to judge you and discipline you, he is slow in his anger and he will forgive you and extend much mercy because he wants it. He relents from doing harm. Who's the harm to? You and me. Who knows if he will turn or relent? Look at him. He even says, who knows if he will turn or relent? But let and, and leave a blessing behind, right? So he says, it doesn't matter. Blow the trumpet, verse 15. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assemble. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Elders, gather the children and the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber. It's no worldly celebration. It's a time for the church to restore itself. And the bride from her dressing room, get away from these, these things that we are looking to that are going to supposedly give us life. Let the priest who ministers to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to a reproach. That the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? And that is the prayer. Don't let the world mock you, God, because of our failures and our inability to step up and call scripture out. And call the church to concentrate a fast and repent. Rend their hearts. Church, stop looking at your garments. Stop looking at the world. Stop looking at your moral behavior as your be-all, end-all. Stop looking at your status of some fancy job you have and you're making over 100 grand. Good for you. There's a lot of dead people going to hell who, who are making hundreds of grand. There are a lot of people who worship Satan that are gazillionaires. And you think because you're financially off while you send your kid off to be enslaved and indoctrinated by people and a, and a structure that hates you and your faith. Yeah, you think, Miss Godly Woman, that you are a success. But what you are is deceived. And I hope and pray. And I get it. Some of you women have to work. And, 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 that, and, and that's unfortunate. I get it. And I do think it's unfortunate. I think that's unfortunate because the only people who suffer under women going to work are children. And the only people who, who benefit from it are women. And they can say to themselves, I can do what man can do. Well, good for you. So could a monkey. Okay? Competing with the man is something you are never supposed to do. Com being who you are in Christ, in God's creation, is who you were supposed to do, be. And you allowed yourself to be deceived. And you bought into the lie thinking you need to have a career to be successful and to be accomplished. And you were taught that aborting babies was normal to get your success. And you were taught that is the be-all, end-all. And that maybe, just maybe, you can spend the last handful of your years retired with your beautiful home and with your grandchildren. And that, my friend, is a lie. Church, repent. Saints, repent. Let's look back and say, hey, let's build the spirit up. And when I say repent, you don't, you don't need to. You, know, you don't need to go into some chamber. Maybe you should. But start changing the structure of your home. Embrace the battle and watch God start to change you and the people around you. He's going to test you. That's another thing you need to learn. God will test that faith. He don't want no weak faith. He wants real, genuine faith. So allow yourselves to be tested. Continue to read the book of Joel. Continue to read through the Old Testament. Learn who God is. Learn what he has, right? Then the Lord, look what it says in verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, this is what they're asking. 
The Lord will then answer his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine. He, I'm going to restore you. You know, you'll be satisfied by them. You'll be satisfied by my provisions, but you're not by your crafty works, right? Verse 20, I will remove far from you the northern enemy. He's talking about sparing them. And he will drive them away into the barren and desolate. He will judge them. But they have a judgment coming, and, and, and he will judge them. Fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the fields. For the open pastures are springing up, and the trees bear bear its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Don't let that word Zion fool you. Zion is a beautiful word. Zionism is not. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down. The former rain. God is promising his people. He is promising his people that he will restore them. Verse 25, I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locusts ate if we repent. That is conditional. And that same God is living, thriving in you. And the same structure, conditional, is thrown, is possessed upon you. And yes, you are saved not of works, but of faith. But let me tell you, your sanctification, your growth is extremely conditional. Look what God says in verse 28. And this is quoted by Peter when the, at the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. The young men shall see visions, and also on my main servant, my, my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Everyone's getting the spirit. This isn't going to be limited to the priest. He is talking about the covenant we are in now. The or, excuse me, the, the era we're in now, where we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God's spirit is in us. And I will show you wonders in heaven and earth, blood and fire, and pillar of smoke. Man, God is promising the sun shall be turned into darkness. Now he's turning, talking about the end of the age, that we're all going to have this this massive awakening, right? And we'll be filled, young, old, everyone, male and maidservants, all of them are going to be filled. And then destruction will come on. And that is beautiful, man. That's something that we can rest in knowing that. But what we can take away from this is, yes, there is destruction coming upon this world. And, and we can't stop it, but we can definitely slow God's wrath down upon us. And when, it, when the people say that God's restraint is the, what's restraining the, the Antichrist and Thessalonians, he's not talking about just the existence of the church. He's talking about a thriving church. Jesus says when he returns, will he find faith? You have to ask yourself, what does that faith look like and what he's talking about? He even says if he didn't return, that even the elect would have suffered. These are deep words, and they're just passed over. Because we don't want to take the time to look at our scriptures. Or men like myself, we've been told these aren't issues we should teach about. These aren't these aren't. These aren't issues. Just teach the Bible. Teach about Jesus. Don't teach Exodus. Teach Jesus in Exodus. And I'm, I'm just at a spot where I'm like, no, it's time to just teach Scripture and to acknowledge God in every passage and to acknowledge God in all these structures. Because I want you, when you listen to me speak and you go through these books with me, I want you to be blessed, built up, and encouraged, not deceived, not deceived, and not thinking you're, you're, God is blessing you just because you are monetarily successful. Or you define success from what uh, America gives you. Saints, it's time to gird your loins, repent, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Watch the Lord do marvelous things in your life.